Well, like Pastor Doug said, we're so excited about One Day Can Change the World and doing that here at Christmas time. Uh, when you sat down, you should have seen this card that, again, it explains all the information, has our goal, uh, talks about the uh, one day of, of annual income, and, and there's even a little chart on the back that helps you break that down. But here's what we want all of you to do. Here's what I'm doing with my wife and my family. We're praying for God to just show us and, and speak to us for how we're going to participate. And like Doug said, if we all, if we all participate, uh, we're going to meet that goal and we're going to far surpass that goal. So thank you uh, ahead of time for your participation uh, in our Christmas fun. Well, welcome to Plum Creek and welcome to Christmas at Plum Creek Church. Uh, my name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. want to welcome those uh, who are joining us online as well. It's great to have all of you with us. Uh, when I think about Christmas, I'm reminded of when I was a kid and all of the questions uh, that I would have as a kid. First and foremost, I'll be honest, what's under the tree with my name under it, on it? You know, I want to know. And did I make the, uh, the nice list? Uh, our, our, uh, who's going to put the uh, Christmas star on top of the tree this year? Are the Christmas cookies done yet? And by the way, if you want to know what my favorite cookies are, uh, it's the sugar cookie, a sugar cookie with just the frosting and, and the sprinkles on top. And then my second favorite would be what we call back in Minnesota a spritz cookie. It's basically made of butter and uh, it tastes like shortbread. They are amazing with coffee. So I don't know why you'd want to know, but in case you wanted to know, uh, those are my two favorite cookies. I, I, I also remember wondering, how is Santa going to make it down our chimney? I grew up in an old farmhouse. Our, our chimney went straight down into an oil furnace. Like, how is that all going to work? And maybe when you were growing up, or if you're growing up now, you've got those same kinds of questions, or you remember those, those questions. And uh, my kids now, it, it's so fun because I'm a dad, and, and my boys are eight and six, and so it's so fun uh, watching them now ask those same kinds of questions. They are convinced that Santa has special water bombs that he throws down the chimney to put out the fire so that he can go down and, and take care of what he needs to take care of. But here's what my boys haven't figured out yet. Our house doesn't have a chimney. All right, we've got a, we've got a gas fireplace, but it's got this vent thing that goes out the side of the house, but they haven't, they haven't figured that out yet. But then we get a little older and our questions change, don't they? There are less questions about what's under the tree and more questions about how am I going to pay for what's under the tree, right? How am I going to pay for it or, or, or did we spend equal amounts of money on each of the kids because they figure that stuff out. Maybe it's questions with family dynamics, dealing with in-laws and explaining to them that you're not going to make it to their place this year. Or maybe it's worrying if Uncle Henry is going to drink too much of the special eggnog. <laughs> maybe it's navigating all the intricacies of a blended family and who's going where. Or maybe you're just wondering if you're going to have a job next year. Is your marriage going to make it? Students, maybe you're dealing with the questions of can I live up to the expectations that my parents are, are putting on me for, for next semester. If you're home from college, you're just wondering, do I even have enough money to go back after the break? And Maybe like me, you just want to know how many sugar cookies you can eat without gaining one more pound. It's real. There's no question as we grow older, we see Christmas differently than just wondering about the naughty and nice list and what's under the tree. But the questions 
they can get even bigger than that, can't they? Like, what's the meaning of it all? Like, why am I here? What, what's the purpose of life? Is there even a God? I mean, if we're honest, sometimes we ask that question. Is there a God? And if there is a God, why doesn't he answer my prayers? Why doesn't he heal my spouse? Why doesn't he heal my child? Why doesn't he fix my marriage or, or bring me that, that job that I, I so desperately need? And the truth is, Christmas time with all of the greeting cards and all of the TV commercials and all the Facebook posts and all the posts on social media, all of that just kind of seems to paint this idealistic picture of perfection. And all of that can just kind of heighten our questions and the emotions that we feel. Well, today, this weekend story, as we look into the New Testament, it's going to bring us right into the heart of these and so many other questions. And I'm so glad it does. So if you have your Bibles, please open up to Matthew chapter 2. If you use your phone or another device, open up to Matthew chapter 2. The past few weekends, we've tried to take a fresh look at the Christmas story. And so we started by taking a fresh look through the eyes of Mary. And last weekend, through the eyes of the shepherds. This weekend, we're going to take a fresh look through the eyes of the wise men. Sometimes we call them the Magi. We sang about them just a few moments ago. And if you grew up in church, and even if you didn't, you've probably heard something about these guys. Someone once asked, what would have happened if the wise men had been wise women? Well, they would have arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made dinner, and brought practical gifts like diapers and onesies. Yeah, ha, 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 it's an old joke, I'm kind of tired of it. All right, men, you know what I found this week? I found another list, men. So let's just say there were wise women, all right? Let's just say there were. You know what they would have said to each other as they were leaving? Did you see the sandals Mary was wearing with that dress? <laughs> Can you believe they let all those disgusting animals near the baby? Or how about this? That donkey they're riding, he sure seen better days. Or my personal favorite, that baby doesn't look a thing like Joseph. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I feel a little better now. But here is what is so interesting to me. Most of what we think we know about the story of the wise men just may not be true. So what I thought we would do today is we're going to take a little pop quiz, and I'm going to throw some questions up on the screen, and I just want you to be bold, okay? Just be bold and, and shout out your answers, all right? Here we go. Number one, how many wise men were there? Try it again. We don't know. That's the right answer. We get that whole idea of three because of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But some biblical scholars say there could have been as many as 15 to 30 because these kinds of, these kinds of uh, caravans that they would have been traveling in, it would have, could have been that big. So the, the right answer is we really don't know. Number two, where were they from? Not the country, but the direction. Where were they from? The east. That's right. The Bible says the east. But again, we're not sure what country they're from. Some, some scholars, again, the best historical, the best educated guess is Persia, which is modern-day Iran. But again, we don't know. Number three, were they at the manger? 
No, you didn't say it with much confidence, but it's right. They weren't at the manger. You went to Sunday school. That's awesome. So uh, what, what, what we have found and what we'll even see today in Matthew chapter 2 is that they, they found Jesus in a house. And again, scholars would say he could have been as old as two years old uh, by the time that the wise men uh, uh, found him. So here's your first assignment today. If you have a nativity set at home, you need to go home and just pick up the three wise men and move them to a different piece of furniture, okay? Use it as a teaching lesson to the kids or whoever comes over because they weren't there. They were following the star. And after you've done that, go outside, find one of your neighbor's outside nativity sets and just rearrange it for them too. They will appreciate it. I mean, everybody wants to be accurate. We know that's true. All right, number four, we sing the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Were they kings? No, again, we just, the, 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 probably not. The best educated answer that we have is that they were astrologers. They were skilled magicians. It's where we get that term magi from. They were skilled magicians. They studied the stars. They studied astrology. They uh, studied the supernatural. They studied the paranormal. And Matthew tells us that just like us, they had questions and they were searching for answers. So go ahead and we're going to start in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, wherever these guys were from, they knew something about God, and they knew something about a Jewish king, and they knew something about a star. But let's be honest, they had no idea what this newborn baby was going to do with his life, what he was going to teach, what he was going to do, what was going to happen. They just had questions. Again, kind of like you and I have questions. And their questions were intense enough that they would travel hundreds and hundreds, possibly even over a thousand miles to investigate. It's a pretty human thing to search for answers. And it's a pretty human thing to search in the stars for a sign. For years, I've been part of a guy's annual fishing trip. We go up to Wyoming, and uh, it's, it's a great time. And honestly, one of my favorite parts of, 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 the, of the trip, as much as fun as it is catching fish, but one of my favorite parts is at the very end of the day, after everything's put away, we've had dinner, and we're sitting around the campfire, and we're just recapping what went on, we're laughing, we're telling stories. Uh, Doug kind of mentioned this last week of what it would have been like with the shepherds and imagining them sitting around the campfire. I just love that time because every once in a while, we just stop, we look up in the sky, and we see the expanse of the universe, and we just sit there and stare in Oh. You guys have done that too. Because whenever we get away from the city lights and, and we see the expanse of the universe and we see all the millions and billions and billions of stars, we sit or we stand in awe of what's before us. And, and, and we ask questions like, man, 
is God really behind all of this? Is, is there intelligence behind all of this? Is there meaning to all of this? Maybe some of you have, have even studied the universe. You've read books about it because you're trying to find answers. Maybe you've read books on religions, Christianity, spirituality, even atheism, because you just want someone to answer the question once and for all of why we're here on earth. And so if you can relate to any of that, if you can relate to the questions that, that we all tend to have at, at various points in our life, then you and I and the Magi, we all have something in common because we're all asking our questions and we are all searching for answers. And maybe you're here today and you're even asking questions about God. And just the whole idea of why so many religions, like what's that all about? Or what about creation versus evolution? And, and what are the answers to that? Or maybe the biggest one of all, suffering. Suffering. We've all wrestled with that. If God is so good and if God is so all-powerful, then why is there so much suffering in the world? And then we have moments in our lives where we personalize it, right? Because if God loves me, if God is good, why am I suffering? Or why is someone that I love suffering? Do you ever wonder what it would take to get an emotionally satisfying answer to that question? Think about that. Could anyone ever say something so powerful or so definitive that it would settle that question once and for all in your mind? Too often we live like an answer to that question would just resolve all doubt. But if someone could produce an answer to that question, don't you think we would have heard of it already? And even if we heard an answer that we thought answered the question, it still wouldn't stop the suffering. So maybe, just maybe, there's something better or something more reassuring than an answer. So let's go back to the story. The wise men are following a star, and in verse 9 it says, And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where, who was? Say it with me. Where the child was. Where the child was. The wise men's search led them to a person. You may want to write that down. The wise men's search led them to a person. Don't miss that. And then in verse 10, it says, when, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. In verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Our main thought this weekend is this. Maybe the answer to my deepest questions isn't an answer. Maybe it's a person. Maybe the answer to my deepest questions isn't an answer. Maybe it's a person. It was 19 years ago that I experienced one of the hardest periods of my life. This was all back in, in Minnesota. I was on a staff at a, at a church back there. I was 31 years old. I wasn't married. I wanted to be married. Truth is, I was lonely. I'd been asking God and praying to God about that. And, and I was really, honestly, dealing with kind of a subtle depression because of all the self-pity that I was wallowing in and, and all of the negative thinking. 
And I was asking God, why, wasn't he, why was he delaying that? Like, why, why wouldn't he bring me my life partner? And then all within just a few weeks' time, several things happened that just kind of spiraled me down. First, I broke a bone in my left hand. I was playing football, flag football, at a high school student retreat. And, and I, I broke my hand, ended up being in a cast that went all the way up to my shoulder for the next eight weeks. It was crazy. And again, I wasn't married at the time. I lived by myself. And so simple things like taking a shower, getting dressed, these, these became frustrating moments, driving a car. Things were just so frustrating. The church I used to go to, I, I had to wear a, a suit and tie. And, and so I, I couldn't even dress myself all the way because of being restricted by, by the cast. And so I'd have to get to church and have somebody finish you know, buttoning my cuffs for me, tying my tie for me, and it, it just was frustrating. Then within just a few days after that had all happened, my two best guy friends both told me that they were moving out of state. And it was just like a punch to the gut. And what made it just crazy is how fast it happened. It, it felt like they said it and they were just gone. And the guys I'd been doing life with, they were just gone. And then, the day before my 32nd birthday, at 4 o'clock in the morning, my dad suffered a massive heart attack and he died. He was gone. I never got to say goodbye to him. And I experienced what many of you have experienced, and some of you are about to experience it for the first time this year, and that's, Christmas without one of your parents. And now it's been 20 Christmases without my dad. And like I said, all of that happened in, in just a few weeks' time, and it just kind of sent me spiraling down. And I spent many of those days often not even getting out of bed and just crying out to God and asking God, why? Why did dad have to die? He wasn't, he wasn't that old. Why did my friends have to move away? Why haven't you brought me a wife yet, God? And now, even if you do, she'll never know my dad, and any kids I'll, I'll, I'll ever have, they'll never know my dad. Why, God? Why? And here's what I know is true about all of us. We all have questions about life. Maybe your questions are similar to mine, or maybe your questions are very different than mine. But I know at some point, you've spent your time, and likely your tears, asking God your questions too, or you will. And that's why our main thought is so important, because maybe the answer to our deepest questions isn't an answer. Maybe it's a person. So here's what I want all of us to ponder today. From a very young age, most of us realize that when we think we need answers, often what we really need is a person. My youngest son, Andon, discovered that this week. When you're six years old and your very first cavity results in a tooth extraction of a molar, you're not wanting answers 
You're not wanting answers for why it hurts or why, why brushing your teeth is so important or how cool uh, they can make you look. No, when you're six years old and you're getting a back molar pulled, what you really need is Bama, your grandma, who used to be a dental assistant holding your hand. Because mom was out in the waiting room. She gets lightheaded really, really easily, and her head was between her knees. So thank God Bama was here. And thank God Bumpa brought her. When you're 10 years old and your best friend says they don't like you anymore, understanding why isn't all that helpful, but spending the afternoon with your mom and, and some freshly baked cookies and a glass of milk can seem to just make things a little better. Ladies, when you're 16 and your boyfriend breaks up with you, do you really want to hear all the reasons why? Or do you just want your big brother to go beat somebody up? Right? Exactly. And guys, this is true for us as adults too, isn't it? Maybe not the beat somebody up part. Well, maybe, maybe. But you see, when you're in the middle of a crisis or when your world is falling apart, getting a phone call from the right person or having the right person walk into the room, it can just make everything feel different. Instantly, you feel better because they're with you. The day my dad died, my best friend, our lead pastor, was soon on a plane to Minnesota. In fact, his two brothers, both neither one living in Minnesota and their dad, they were all at my dad's funeral with me. And just having their presence with me made all the difference in the world. What if the same is true with God? Maybe you think everything will be resolved when all of your questions get answered, but maybe, just maybe, the answer to our deepest questions isn't really an answer. Maybe it's a person. Frederick Buechner, an American pastor and author, imagines God intervening in the universe in a supernatural way. And, and Buechner uh, gives this illustration of what it would be like if one night, God, in all the expanse of the universe and the stars, one night, God took the stars. And no matter where you were on planet Earth and no matter what language you spoke, God rearranged the stars so that the phrase spelled out, I exist. And Beekner says, pastors would all be saying, told you. And churches would fill up. Pretty soon we'd have to rent stadiums because people would just want to be gathering together to be together to figure out what's going on. Crime would stop and a hush would fall over the world. But then Beekner imagines also that at some point, and who knows how long it would take, but at some point someone, maybe a young boy with Bubblegum in his cheek would turn to his father with the crazy courage of childhood and utter the words that would make the angels gasp. So what? So what if God exists? What difference does it make? And in an instant, the message in the stars would no longer matter. 
Fichtner says, we all want proof. But proof in the stars is not the kind of assurance we need. What we need to know is not that God is somewhere, you know, way out there. What we need to know is that God is right here in the middle of our day-to-day lives. And guys, that's the answer that the wise men found. And with fresh eyes on the Christmas story this weekend, that's the answer that we need to find too. That's the answer that we need to see. The wise men's search led them to a person. Their search of the stars led them to a little child named Jesus who would be the savior of the world. They were looking for answers, but what they found was better. They found a person. They found Jesus. They were searching far. But God came near. And what they found was the one Isaiah prophesied about 700 years earlier when he wrote, Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Guys, we can't miss this. This is the whole message of Christmas. With fresh eyes, see Emmanuel. With fresh eyes, see that God is with us, as we've been singing, forever. With fresh eyes, know that God is with us. Far more than an answer or a sign, you and I need to know that God is with us in our challenge. God is with us in our confusion. God is with us in our heartbreak. God is with us in all of the relational stuff. God is with us in our financial tensions. God is with us in all the frustrations at work. God is with us in our questions about the future. God is with us as we try to make sense of how successful we are. God is with us as we're trying to figure out why why we are dealing with failures. God is with us in our laughter. God is with us in our pain. God is with us, and that is what the wise men found. And my hope is that you don't leave today without knowing that God is with you too. And that he loves you. And that he'd love a response from you. He'd love a first-time decision, a first-time commitment. And maybe for many of us, he'd love a reconfirmation that we want to be with him too. So as we close today, I want us to say this phrase out loud over and over. God is with me. All right, let's say that out loud together. God is with me. Say it again. God is with me. Say it louder. God is with me. Ladies, I just want you to say it. Ready? Here we go. God is with me. Okay, now the men. God is with me. One more time together. God is with me. And he came for the wise men, and he came for the shepherds, he came for Joseph, he came for Mary, and he came for me and you too. And it's not just enough to know about him. You need to know him. It's personal. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He died a a sacrificial death on a cross that would pay the penalty for all of your sins and for all of my sins. And then God brought him back to life so that we could experience relationship with him, that we could experience that God is with us no matter what we're going through, the highs, the lows, the questions, and everything else in between. 
And if you have never made that decision to tell God, I want to be with you too, you can do it today. You can, in your own words, just say, God, I want to be on your team. I've, I don't understand it all. I've got questions. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that today, to commit your life to Jesus, to believe in him. Because today, God extends his invitation to you. You are not alone. God is with you. And maybe the answer you're really looking for is a person. And the good news of Christmas is that the person is here. Let's pray. Emmanuel, God is with us forever. And if you're here today and, and you have never made that decision that you want to be with him too, just in your own words, just tell God, I am, I am so sorry I've been trying to do life without you. And I've fallen short of your perfect standard. And I don't understand it all, but I heard today that someone lived a perfect life, and I sure know I haven't. And the person who lived a perfect life died to pay the penalty for all of my stuff. And then God brought him back to life. And you're saying to yourself, I want to know this person. I want to know God with me. So in your own words, just invite him to come into your life. Tell him that you're sorry and that you want to start living life differently. You want to start living life to honor, to honor him. And for so many other of, others of us here today, we've heard the story for years and years, the story of Christmas, but today with fresh eyes and with fresh eyes of our heart, as much as God is saying to us, I am with you, we want to reconfirm our decision that we're with you too, God. We love you and we are so grateful that no matter what we're going through, you are with us. The highs, the lows, everything in between, you are with us. And we don't have to have answers to all of our questions because we have you. And having you makes all the difference. We love you, God. Remind us often that you are with us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.